So this evening I'd like to share some reflections on the theme of the hindrances, these experiences that probably we all have at different times or um, maybe right now. And um, I was looking for a way to start the talk and I thought, well, it always seems helpful to uh, acknowledge what's happening right now. Somehow it feels to me in speaking and in listening to the Dharma, to the teachings, that um, one of the ways that the, the truth that's there can really resonate for us, you know, and reach our hearts and make a difference or deepen an understanding or, you know, touch a sore place or illuminate a a darkened corner is very much in the quality of how we show up, how we attend. So without wanting to make a kind of heavy thing out of it, just invite you to uh, listen in a way that is helpful for you. Um, yeah. May may these may these words may these sharings. Uh, mm, connect you with your own wisdom and awareness and love. And um, so uh, interesting when I revisit these great themes and these areas of our, you know, of our human experience and these areas and aspects of the teachings and the practice that we're, uh, we're asked to do, we... Uh, um, we want to do maybe sometimes or yeah that um, that sense of somewhere in the suttas you know the sense of the mind being pure and clear and it's clouded by visiting defilements yeah I find that such a helpful image uh, another beautiful image of the the grain of salt in the river Ganges, so like a sense of that vast space of mind that um, what happens when we contemplate that which is difficult in our experience with that kind of that kind of mind, that kind of space, that kind of perspective, that kind of steadiness. Uh, And how much of our practice, I wouldn't want to calculate the percentage on an average day because I think it might be rather high. (laughs) What percentage of the time we are either uh, 
the pre, you know the, the, the hindrance in some form is happening um, and we're aware of it or it's happening and we're not aware of it it's maybe very subtle maybe very obvious and sometimes I think I can have that sense yeah these are non-inherent there's a adventitious quality to them a sense of impersonal you know not kind of some you know fixed or permanent kind of sense of who we are or what our mind is or is like but that um, these are such companions aren't they on the path on our, our practice They're so I mean you know maybe different times on retreat off retreat sometimes it can feel like we're just in a permanent you know kind of multiple hindrance attack you know it's just that's just what's going on pretty much all the time with little breaks and hopefully it's not that bad you know too much of the time or maybe sometimes there's you know that open space when really those kind of uh, conflictive or obscuring factors in the mind are really very uh, absent or very uh, yeah very quiet and how wonderful that is and I you know I, I, I wonder sometimes so we keep coming back on retreat because we remember ah <laughs> that is so lovely when it's like that and just that the way that what we learn about the mind and what's possible for us and yeah so these obstacles or obstructions or I also you know you probably know these this sense of what's uh, anything that's obscuring or covering or veiling and somehow the presence of so I want to name the classical five hindrances, but I also, I really, I want to invite you to um, let these reflections in these teachings really be, I'll say a bit more about that a bit later, but let them really be relevant to whatever you experience, you know, now in this moment or at any time that, that, you know, that sense may be very subtle or very gross of just oh you know no or just the feeling of not I'm not completely at ease not completely clear or you know those familiar you hear these a lot in in the the one-to-ones you know it's like (laughs) familiar patterns or patterns of thought or you know kind of senses in the body or kind of you know, patterns of self-judgment or whatever it might be, patterns of judging others. All these different, these sometimes I think very hard to describe but very familiar patterns which we couldn't put in any of the hindrance categories. But I think, yeah, that, that these teachings can be, can be very relevant to... Uh, whatever that is for us, even if we can't put it in one of these classical categories, that it's really 
isn't it? It's that part of our practice, that sort of, you know, the, 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 the challenge and the invitation of the, the potential, actually, of... And you've probably all experienced this, I'm sure, probably, you know, many times. I don't say, oh, when you can when you can have a sense of skillfully attending to that which is challenging or difficult, how good that feels. How how reassuring, how empowering, how it's like, oh and somehow, you know, not much has changed and yet everything has changed. You know, it's like you're with it, you're not in it. There's awareness where there wasn't any before and just how empowering that is. Um, and um, sometimes I think of it as one of the strange happinesses of the path of practice. That that uh, a sort of quiet joy of you know, being able to be with or meet some of these difficult forces, whereas before we had been overwhelmed. And there's a kind of, ah, yeah, something good. So, um, yeah, so before I go on, I wanted to read, so just to bring in the space, some of the Buddha's words on and uh, I wanted to read you a, a little bit from the Satipatthana Sutta, the Sutta on Mindfulness, just so that yeah, we we hear hear that that teaching. From, this is from the the yeah, the Majjhima Nikaya, the middle length sayings. If sensual desire is present within one, knows sensual desire is present within me. Or if sensual desire is not present within, one knows sensual desire is not present within me. So you might, I might just pause. You might, again, if, as, as I go through this talk, you might use it as a little hind- hindrance inventory time. You know, like, is there any sense desire? Mm, not, well, maybe a little bit, or not really, or I'm not sure. <laughs> And knowing the presence or the absence, very interesting, like such an important part of this, part of the teaching and being aware of the presence or the absence. So both equally important. And then the second part, um, one knows how unarisen sensual desire arises. One knows how arisen sensual desire is removed. And one knows how removed sensual desire does not arise in the future. And then the same with aversion, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry, and doubt. So again, just repeat it once more with with doubt. Doubt is present within, one knows doubt is present within me. Or if doubt is not present within, one knows doubt is not present within me. And one knows how arisen doubt arises. 
one knows how arisen doubt is removed. And one knows how removed doubt does not arise in the future. That's a lot of knowing. <laughs> a lot of learning, isn't there? A lot, of, a lot to understand. And I think on retreat, we, one of the, the really precious opportunities we have, isn't it, to, to, to engage, to come close, to get curious, to, because we have in a way, you know, we haven't got so much of the, hardly any really of the <laughs> tasks, I've got to go here and do that and engage with that person and figure this out and all that. We can see, we can, we can actually have this opportunity to do as the Buddha is suggesting here, is to know, to recognize the presence of the absent and to learn very intimately, like with aversion, like, ah, you know, yeah. Anyway, I'll go, I'll go more into that. I, I want to, yeah. But to, to have that, um, in immediate kind of isn't it that sort of felt knowledge recognizing it in the body recognizing recognizing it's something about the immediacy of it you know the texture of that which is probably a little different for everybody and maybe depending on what kind of aversion it is it's like being able to to know you know some of our favorite flavors of that and then that that through that attention, it's the way we attend is actually then the way that the hindrances are, are understood. So I think this is very interesting. So if you like that principle of, okay, so you know how if you're averse to the aversion, doesn't it gets worse, right? <laughs> So what kinds of attitudes, what kinds of ways of looking, what kinds of um, approach is actually helpful uh, so that there can actually be learning. That's very, so I wanted to highlight three, the bringing the steadiness and the groundedness to that, the kindness and curiosity curiosity yeah so um, yeah I guess I'm assuming you're all very well versed in all this stuff I mean how many talks on the hindrances have you heard probably quite a few so I hope that's all right I'm assuming some working knowledge of that so I want to make some more general points about practicing with it and one thing that I often come back to when I when I talk and when I reflect on this is do we really know I mean this is a real question for me it's like um, I know maybe intellectually that these forces these obscurations these kinds of struggles and these you know if you like sort of forms of greed, hatred and delusion or however we understand, you know, they are actually part of the human experience. Yeah. And and it's and and you know, they are also they're part of the path. They are not separate from it. And I I can see in myself and I don't know if you're coming even sometimes quite subtly, almost unconsciously, that it's sort of 
you know, we actually really, really would prefer them not to be there. I mean, you know, who would want them? They're so unpleasant and troubling. It's like, of course we want to get rid of them. Isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? You know, abandon the hindrances, you know, get rid of them. Um, and I think that somehow I sense that maybe this, this, that when we, we can really understand very deeply that this, this is, this is, yeah, this is, <laughs> here it is, here they are, okay, and that it's not something I'm doing wrong, it's not something going wrong with practice, yeah, it's like, it's not, I just, I have a feeling this is so significant that when we can somehow embrace them, turn towards them, really have that, you know, which is the opposite of sort of in a way intuitively what we want to do, that actually that is, that is when they can begin to become the path. They can actually become illuminating. They can become deepening. They can be a place where the the all the wholesome factors of mind, the awakening factors can actually strengthen. But we can't do that from a distance or theoretical. Theoretically, you know, I'm going to put my anger over there and I'm going to look at it and say, yes, well, that's anger and it's because of that. And it's, do you know, see what I mean? It's sort of all over there and, yeah, you're supposed to do this. Right, I'm doing meta to it. Okay, have you gone yet? Or exaggerating slightly, but... You know, we don't want to feel it in this messy, intimate sort of like, oh no, this is so embarrassing. You know, if, if everybody else knew how angry I was or, you know, that sense of somehow we want to hide it from others or hide it from ourselves because it gets so bound up with self-definition, doesn't it? Or it, it kind of bumps into that sense of who we want to be or who we want to seem to be or who we want to be seen to be. I'm not an angry person, no, no. So do you see how that actually hinders the the engagement, the opening to the kind of the creative and and uh, beneficial engagement with that? Because, you know, it's just... And I'm not saying that's easy, because I think probably all of us have different parts of that that we've just had a lifetime of, of keeping at a distance you know whether it's the sadness or the anger or you know other or fear or you know and so this is I think this is this takes a lot of, of courage to to really embrace them so I really wanted to encourage us in that way and I I found another couple of well one quote from Bhikkhu Analyo around this this need this necessity of sort of embracing this as part a part of our practice so he says um this is in the book which is in the library the perspectives on satipatthana by bhikkhu analio this practice requires an ability to face the presence of a hindrance in one's own mind without immediately reacting to it by trying to push it away mistakenly believing that true meditation to only takes place in the absence of any defilement. Much to the contrary. Really transformative meditation to 
takes place in precisely those moments in which the presence of a hindrance is honestly recognized and made the object of one's awareness. Yeah, so I hope we can hear that encouragement. Um, Another teaching from Ajahn Sumedho, the five hindrances are your teachers. They can be pretty trivial, petty, foolish, annoying and obsessive. They keep pushing and jabbing and knocking us down all the time until we give them proper attention and understanding. Yeah, so proper attention and understanding. So how do we recognize and know and name the presence of uh, hindrance, both gross and subtle, and perhaps, again, one of the classical five, but also perhaps one of our own very personal little concoctions. <laughs> a bit of restlessness and some doubt and then a kind of core of aversion in the middle. And you know, How can we recognize it? And again, interestingly, I think maybe this is the first maybe sometimes this is all that's really necessary if the mindfulness is is very, very strong, isn't it? It's that, I know you, Mara. You know, just that, that, the power of that, aha. Oh, here you are. Yes. Right. Aha. Okay. (sighs) Right. Do you hear? I mean, I, I just, for me, you know, sometimes it feels like the words don't quite do it. So I, it's like a net and then, and somehow that accepting sort of, okay, now what's needed? Okay, then somehow something can begin to happen, perhaps. And just again, how helpful it is to. Um, sort of scan through the areas of our experience, the body, bodily experience, and how some activity or presence of, of, of a hindrance involves a sort of loss of presence, or a loss of ground, you know, that sense of being, bits of us are missing, or we, we've, we kind of haven't got any legs, or, you know, we're not somehow... You know, we've contracted into a small part in here and, and everything else is sort of lost. Or I think it often feels like that kind of contraction. Um, a loss of heart, a loss of a kind of faith or emotional sort of openness and a sort of fluidity. A feeling kind of, kind of, conflicted or sort of gummed up emotionally, kind of stuck in that way. Um, Or in the thoughts, just a sense of either kind of in a bit of a fog, no clarity of thought, or caught in in a wrong view of ourself, of others, of of the world, or just caught in papancha, isn't it? Just, Just in that. And so those are I find that quite helpful sometimes, just that sense of, okay, what are the signs, what are the clues? Looking for clues. A clue that something 
something, yeah, something hindering, something obscuring. And uh, I mean, I don't know what it's like for you. Sometimes, you know, some people it's more, oh, that thought loop's going again, okay, you know. Or maybe, you know, that tightening up in the body, in the solar plexus or somewhere else. Or just that sense of like a saggy heart, you know, just like, oh. um, uh, Or a particular kind of emotion that comes up and kind of gets a bit stuck in that. Anyway, just looking for clues, looking for being able to, um, like, put, you know, you, if you do this, I was taught in England, you wet a finger and you put it up into the wind and, that, and then you know which direction the wind is blowing in because the side of the finger gets drier first. That's where the wind is coming from. It's sometimes maybe very, very subtle, not so obvious. Um, yeah, so I've, I'd like to share two, um, well, three, two, let's see. One way of working or a sort of uh, a kind of little teaching structure with, with working with, with difficult energies, afflictive energies or mind states or hindrances, colases. I'm putting them all in a big bundle there. I hope that's all right. But um, One you're probably very familiar with and one you may not be. So, and then I want to offer you something that I cooked up this week for your delectation. Um, the first one is rain. Do you know this? I've, I think, I, and it's been around a long time, I think it's so helpful. So that R for recognize, which I just talked a bit about. And then this A for allowing, yeah, or accepting, that movement of opening to and then the I, the investigating, the actual, the curiosity, the sense of what is this? You know, what is actually happening? What, what are the manifestations in the body, the mind? What can I, what can I find? What can I, yeah, being curious, coming and turning toward and being curious at, about that direct experience. Yeah, not being thrown out. It's like, isn't that so much with the hindrances? Somehow it throws you out. Either, you know, being against that or that, or if it's sense desire, I want that or that. Or if it's sloth and torpor, it's just like, forget all of it, I'm going away, bye, you know. Or if it's restlessness and worry, it's just like going, you know, like that. And then if it's doubt, it's again, you're going, oh, I could, should I go, oh, oh, no, I should, oh, I, I should go there. I, oh, I don't know, should I go? Do you see? And it's so, it draws you out. So I think something about the eye in this rain investigating is how, what is actually manifesting here and now in the body. Yeah. Then it's like you can begin to find some traction or some purchase, some oh, okay, yeah, I can feel that, okay. Because I think when we're, you know, when we're more distant from it, when we're trying to get away from it and then look back, say, right, what do I do about that? That it's very disempowering. It almost feels like, surely that's going to be easier because then I'm not so in it, I don't feel so in it, but actually we're, we lose touch with the lived reality, with the actual the actual reality, which is always much, much more fluid, um, open to change, uh, you know, kind of 
much, much more mm, uh, open to um, inquiry and new perspectives and new attitudes. You know, it's like things can shift in a moment, can't they? Whereas if you're out there somewhere with your idea about something, you know, trying to throwing things at it from a distance or poking it or something is... But it's all a bit kind of, well, I, that's supposed to work, I'll put, do that. And it's like, well, I don't know. But just to come, to come close will give you much, much more of a sense of what's needed. So sometimes the rain, the N, I've heard, um, or my friend Chris Cullen adds another N for nourish. So sort of nourish, what's needed, how can I, what can I bring in? Again, like these qualities, I'm particularly sort of pointing to steadiness groundedness, um, kindness, curiosity. But the other way in which the N and can, can, what that can mean is, and I think, again, maybe this is so important with the hindrances as with all our experience, but particularly, you know, with that, the, the way that the hindrance or the feeling of difficulty or affliction can feel so very personal. And so very much mine, me, and really set out, set off that thing of, I've got to sort this out, you know, I have got to figure this out. But it's something about being able to, to see it. It's, 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 I picked this up years ago, I think, from a Zen teacher called Cherry Huber, who I never met, but I read uh, a book. And it's like this way of seeing the afflictiveness as confused or sort of knotted up energy. Just see it like that, you know, whether it's fear or anger or sulkiness or irritation or, oh, what, what if I see it more like something like that, something like energy? And then maybe there are images that can come. It's like yeah, like what? Like, what is it like? Because the Buddha used so many similes, didn't he? Because it's so helpful. It's, it again helps maybe to connect us with our experience. So I want to share another quote that I love, which I think comes in here, which again, the, the power sometimes I think for some of us of imagery, of images to express you know, and I often do it with sounds and like making silly faces and going, you know, and, but for me that helps. It's like it's a more direct um, sort of expression of something and it doesn't necessarily really kind of fit itself into a nice, neat narrative or conceptual uh, label. So I wanted to share this piece from Rainer Maria Rilke, the great German poet, how could we forget those ancient myths that stand at the beginning of all races? The myths about dragons that are at the last moment transformed into princesses. Perhaps all the dragons in our lives are only princesses waiting for us to act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is, in its deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love. 
perhaps everything that frightens us is in its deepest essence something helpless that needs our love. Sorry, wants our love. So maybe again we can play play with that. I don't know. Sometimes seeing seeing that as energy. You know, the Buddha would talk about the hindered mind or the disturbed mind as being like water, isn't it? It's like water. Like how's your how's your inner lake at the moment? Is it all nice and clear and you can see right down to the bottom and it's all like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> or is it all kind of stirred up a bit on the surface? Or is it full of algae and just feeling, you know, like full of sludge? Or is it kind of muddy? Yeah, I think these, these are the images that the, the Buddha used. May be very helpful. So um, the other, I don't know if I'm in danger of talking too much. Well, just let the sounds arise and pass and have a nice snooze if that feels more helpful. Um, I did want to share with you something I came across quite recently from a newish book by Gil Fronstahl on the hindrances, which we don't have in the library, but I'm going to try and get it soon. Um, so this is another, and I'll, I'll put this on the board so you can check it out if you want. Another acronym, um, sort of explaining a practice, which I think is very similar to the RAIN, but slightly different, and I really, yeah, I wanted to share it. So this acronym is BELLA, B-E-L-L-A, which is the Italian for beautiful. So he says, the acronym describes the mind that is revealed when the hindrances are overcome and mindfulness becomes strong. So the B, when a hindrance appears, it is useful first to let it be, not acting on it or reacting to it. E, examine it. Exploring the hindrance means recognizing its components, its energetic, emotional, cognitive and motivational aspects. It involves recognizing its absence, learning how it arises and how it is removed, and how it can be prevented from re-arising. So they're very similar to the sutta. Okay, so that's B, B, B. E, examine. L, lesson, meaning, uh, spell L-E-S-S-E-N. So lesson, reduce its intensity by relaxing the body or the mind or directing the attention to something calming. And then the second L is let go when it can be, when it can be let go. And I want to pause there because when I looked at it, I thought that is really, really important because don't some of these hindrances or some of these afflictive patterns, don't they just become like, it's just a habit. It's, It's a habit. 
and and beginning to sense sometimes again maybe when the mindfulness is really is is strong or it's like even in this moment that there's the possibility of it completely falling apart and not happening do do you get that do you, maybe you've experienced that it's like you you can there can be these moments of you just almost like come to a halt come to a stop with something and and like you can you know sense in that very very subtle way sort of how this thing is being fed and you just manage to find that sense of not doing that and the thing just like evaporates I mean yeah I mean that's I think that takes a lot of mindfulness, samadhi and wisdom, I think, you know, but it's really possible and I think that helps me a lot in working with things that will continue to re-arise because I haven't quite figured out how they will not re-arise, you know, (laughs) because I know it's possible. I have the sense that in this very moment, this thing can completely collapse and that sometimes that then never will re-arises. So very, somehow very, yeah, maybe clear sense of that, that's possible, that happens. So that it doesn't necessarily have to be this, you know, Sisyphean task for eternity, pushing this bling boulder up the hill and again and again, and it rolls down again. And, you know, there is that, I guess there is that element to it, but somehow just remembering this thing could just completely fall apart with the if you know when conditions allow it to and then lastly this is one of my favorite bits <laughs> appreciate a bella a the last to appreciate its absence unhindered attention is a treasure to be present without being hijacked by the hindrances is joy yeah. what is there what is here what is the mind what is in the mind when the hindrances are not present it's very interesting I, you might ooh, hi, hmm, wonder what's there some, maybe some mindfulness some steadiness you know these quieter qualities that they don't shout, they don't come and like, in, you know, they're not so in your face as the hindrances, they're not problematic, so maybe we don't, we tend to ignore them. So appreciate, appreciate its absence. What is there instead? A sort of quiet joy when, when things are either fading or have, have disappeared or, yeah? Appreciating the absence of that. And the happiness or the calm or the, it's just okay. Oh, how wonderful. And I have a sense of that being, again, very, very significant. Something really, really overlooked. And easy to overlook as we jump from one problem and then look for another one. Quick, where's the problem? Oh, there was a microsecond of no problem that we didn't notice. Come on now. 
Notice those microseconds of no problem. You know, enjoy that. <laughs> Little pause in the problem and problem problemality. I just created a word. Wow. Problemality. Um, so what is there? You know, in the Buddha, there's lovely similes for what the passing or the absence of the hindrances is like being released from prison and being relieved of a debt, being released from servitude, being recovering from an illness, or finding an oasis in the desert. So what's left when the hindrances are in abeyance is what we met them with. So that's just something for you to look and see in your own experience. So this is one of the great beauties and miracles of the path. What's left if we meet the hindrances, if we have been meeting them and working with them with steadiness and kindness and curiosity? When the hindrances fade, what you're left with is the steadiness and the kindness and the curiosity. We, if you could say, you know, we become, or no, I, that's, sorry, I just spoiled the moment there. That was good enough, wasn't it? <laughs> What's left is what we meet them with. So let's meet them with love, with clarity, with steadiness. Because then that will be our inheritance. That will be for our benefit for a long time and for the benefit of others. So, thank you for your attention. I hope there's something helpful in there. And uh, I will, I will put the the Bella on the board, and it has some quotes on the back. So feel free to to look if you wish. Okay. So let's close our time together by sharing our blessings, sharing our good fortune with with all beings by chanting the sharing of the blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.